0: Time to get chiseled with Rob. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Chiseled. And why do we call it Chiseled? Because we're all a work in progress. I'm Rob Commodore. I'm your host. I'm also the author of Better Than You Think. And I uh, had co authored a book with several people, Next Level Your Life. And through that, I met this person, our our, our guest today, Stormy Hill all the way from Salt Lake City, Utah, who also has residency in Costa Rica, and she's an intimacy coach. And she's been an intimacy coach for three years, but she's been in, in the medical field for some 14 years. Is that correct? Is that correct? Yeah, Stormy?
1: that's right.
0: Awesome. So, Stormy, welcome to the show. We're going to talk about God, faith, and sexuality today, and I'm really? excited, excited <laughs> to talk to you about that. So, tell us a little bit about yourself, Stormy.
1: So honored to be here. Thanks Rob, for having me really just excited to share some time with you. So yeah, I, um, you know, I, my background was always, I always had an interest in the brain and in mental health and wellness. And uh, did that as in my medical doctorate and then went on to become an occupational therapist. I've done that for the last 14 years in mental health and substance use disorder. So dual diagnosis, uh, teaching mindfulness and life skills and building these beautiful sensory rooms. And, um, kind of through that just my my nerdy brain that loves the brain and loves our senses and how we create and experience pleasure in all areas of our life really set me more on this path to do the intimacy coaching um, and so about three years ago i decided to do it officially did a 650 hour certification program and i have uh, so i have three businesses and one of them is the coaching and i feel like besides being a mom to an amazing 19 year old young man that this work in the coaching and in intimacy coaching is my purpose for being on this earth. So
0: well, thank you for sharing that. And, mm-hmm. and I think part of this journey for you is related to your son. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, for sure. So I mean, I think, you know, my, my son has autism, he's 19. And he's off on the other side of the country. I'm in Utah, he's in Florida thriving, just finished his first year of college, just brought him home for the summer about a week and, or two ago. Um, and so you know, but my my it was interesting, sort of a a mom world collision with my professional world collision was I was actually studying my focus in graduate school for the second time when I went to graduate school was on autism. That was about, three, four months before my son was diagnosed with autism. So that was sort of a serendipitous mm. thing. And I will tell you, having the book knowledge of autism is very different than having, um, getting to experience the joys and challenges of, of raising a kiddo with autism. Um, but my world's quickly collided, and that's that sort of really set me off on the path of learning everything I can about the brain and how we process our sensory input and how we just regulate ourselves in this world. I mean, I say the only thing that's for sure coming is another hiccup, another bump in the road and so how do we learn to navigate that more successfully
0: so there are challenges as we all know correct mm-hmm yep guaranteed <laughs> So I, I'm sure there's some people when they hear an intimacy coach they're, they're like, what's this going to be about? Right. We're talking about mm-hmm. God, faith and intimacy. Right. And, and I believe my thought would be most people when they hear the word intimacy, they think of sex. Mm-hmm. And I, and I know that has, there is something to do with that with sex and intimacy and in relationships. And we're going to talk about that, but how that, how, how we incorporate that with God and our faith. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that was so beautifully said what you just said there, right. We, we tend to be very, myopic in how we view intimacy. When when we say intimacy or when we read something or hear something about intimacy, we automatically think of intimacy in the bedroom. And one of the things that I'm really passionate about teaching um, just to the masses, but also to the clients I, that I coach, I work with men, women, and couples in the coaching, is that intimacy is really broad. Intimacy has so many different realms to it. And when we're so myopic about it, when we only think about intimacy in the bedroom, we're missing this huge experience of of depth, of vulnerability, of deep connection, you know, to ourselves, to our higher power. For me, it's God. Like, so f- my connection to God, my connection to my son, my connection to my partner, my romantic partner. So when we're really myopic about intimacy, we, we're really kind of only looking at like one little piece of the intimacy pie, so to speak. And so I love to teach on different kinds of intimacy and how do we cultivate uh, and curate experiences to foster intimacy. And I say from I say from the boardroom to the bedroom, <laughs> right? So in yeah. all different the- in all parts of our life. And so, you know, and even with pleasure, same thing, we, we tend to be really myopic when, when we say pleasure, we think of pleasure that occurs in sexuality. And that is just one type of pleasure. And I have this joke that I my moniker, my desire in life to have my moniker is, is a pleasure pusher because I really want to help people learn to really consciously, thoughtfully, and kindly exercise that pleasure muscle to be able to have more joy, more pleasure, more vibrancy in all parts of life. And then when I'm working with couples to help them continue having that in the bedroom and in their sexuality as
0: well. So outside the bedroom, how does someone create, how does a couple or a person create intimacy?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it really, I like the different, depending on who you're reading, which model, there's different realms of intimacy they call it. And I really like to like think about nine different realms and we won't go into every single realm, but you know, one of them is spiritual intimacy. So how do you connect? First of all, yourself, what is your spiritual practice? How do you connect? To your higher power. And like again, for me, that's my closest relationship, is my relationship with God. My most important relationship in my life is my relationship to God. And, and so how do I curate that? How do I cultivate that? What's my practice? What's my, you know, what's my routine? What's my commitment? What's my discipline on that? And then so first and foremost, my own spirituality, and then how do I connect to my partner's spirituality and help foster and facilitate their connection to the spirituality? And then this is the part I get so excited about. How do we bring that intimacy the spirituality the 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 seeing the divine in ourselves and in our partner uh into the bedroom and that is that's what i call sacred sexuality how do we practice sexuality in a way that's really sacred? and our culture does not promote that right We, we have a lot of very disruptive messaging when it comes to sex and sexuality and so it's one of the things i really love to teach i love to practice myself i mean i was thinking about you know, being on this podcast with you, and I'm like, you know, it's so interesting. I was talking with a pastor about this that I always say, like, God could have, God could have had a procreate in any way, but He gave us the gift of sex. He gave us the beautiful gift of sex. And so, even thinking of sex as a gift is a huge shift, right? And and not having to be separate from feeling your connection to God. And, and I was just reading. I actually just did a podcast on sacred sexuality that aired today, ironically, um, on, my pod, on my podcast. But the, you know, what I read the study that was a Christian study, and it was it was forty four couples, and it was about what how when they were practicing sacred sexuality, what did they experience? And they said they they experienced bliss, they experienced hearing from God, being able to be more attuned with God while they were practicing intimacy with their partner. And obviously, that's very different than just having sex be something we don't talk about, sex be something we don't communicate about. And so it's, it's, a, it's a major shift in, in how we approach sexuality. And I think it's a really beautiful, really powerful one.
0: So how does one find intimacy with themselves first? And then, cause I'm, it's like you gotta love yourself first before you mm-hmm. can learn to love others. So how do you mm-hmm. find intimacy with yourself and then how do you learn to find intimacy with your partner? Mm-hmm. And, and, and then, because I think it's your, yourself, your partner, then you, you you bring it together. And I think you can have a dynamic relationship like that. So can you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of really back to those realms, right? So I always say, for me, it's God as my beloved, then myself as my beloved, and then my partner as my beloved, in that order <laughs> for me, right? And this is an individual process. It's not that way for everyone. But for me, that's how I love best, right? My North star is my relationship with God. That has to be intact. That has to, I have to feel good about that. I have to be practiced in that then my relationship with myself, just like you said, Rob, it has to start with yourself, right? And that's all of it. That's self-confidence, that's self-love, that's learning to feel bliss and pleasure in your own life, not in the bedroom, separate from the bedroom. Um, and then if we expect our partner to be our only source of, let's say, happiness or bliss or pleasure, we will, that is a recipe for disaster, right?
0: Yeah, right. Because we're
1: looking outside of ourselves for something that God's already put inside of us, right? I think there's a book that happiness is an inside job, and it's true, right? It really is. So, you know, when you ask, so how do we cultivate that? I think looking at these different, our own practice, our own relationship with God, our own practice with ourselves, right? So self reflection, self confrontation. How do we work on ourselves to be? A better version of ourselves. I hope I'm growing and evolving to my last breath. Right? It's like that growth mindset. Um, having that growth mindset in in life, in love, and sex, and you know, in relationships. And then, and then, hopefully, your partner. You can't. You can't. We can't. We, we can't make our partner come along, but we can do the work ourselves, and then we can invite them into a different way of relating. And so, you know, when I even when I'm working with a couple, if we're working, let's say, specifically on sexual intimacy, we talk about. How's their relationship like with their body? How do they resolve conflict? How do they repair and restore after conflict? So there's something called conflict intimacy, right? How do you navigate conflict and not only navigate conflict, how do you repair and restore after conflict? So there's all these different types of intimacy that play into having a deep vulnerable, uh, you know, heartfelt, heart open, mind
0: open connection with your partner. So now you have the connections with each other, and then you can celebrate that, as they say, in the bedroom, right? Mm-hmm. If totally,
1: if that's where it goes, right? And that's like, I mean, even even physical intimacy is different than sexual intimacy. So how do you, maybe your partner's love language is physical touch. So how do you speak in their love language? How do you show gestures of love and affection? These are not sexual gestures of love and affection. They're physical, they might be sensual, right? So knowing your partner's love language is a, certainly a great tool to start with because you know the idea is that you could be showing gestures of love, and if it's not in your partner's love language, it will it won't land for them. And to me, that represents intimacy. You're bringing a spirit of curiosity to understanding how does your partner best feel loved? How does it land most deeply for them? And a lot of that has to do with our attachment style and our family of origin and so many other things. But how does your partner best feel loved? And then doing things in that way that land for your partner that's incredibly intimate
0: so, so then learning myself and learning my partners it, it, it like, would, would attract some of their love language or the intimacy language let's call it that and now i get up in the morning and maybe my wife or partner wants to have a cup of coffee and we can share our intimacies over over a cup of coffee is that possible
1: absolutely like? absolutely right so you're talking about you know in the love language world, you're talking about quality time there, maybe acts of service. If you make your partner their cup of coffee or whatever it might be for the two of you. But, you know, I mean, there's a reason Gary Chapman's book is so famous is because it is so spot on about how we, feel and can take in love. And that's different. So, you know, learning, take this free online quizzes, find out your love language, find out your partner's love language, read the book. There's tons of workbooks out there on on the five love languages, but it's a great tool to build intimacy because what you're, and again, I I really bring intimacy back to a spirit of curiosity, right? And and think about your relationship, at least my relationship with God got became much deeper And much more intimate when I brought curiosity to like learning about my faith and wrestling with my faith and, and what did my faith, I was, I grew up Catholic, but what did that look like for me as an adult versus for me as a child, right? Uh, How did I want to have an adult relationship with God, right? And so there's a, there's a, there's an absolute intimacy there. And so when, you know, when you think about like the Greek types of love, right, there's, there's seven of them, but let's just look at like phileos, agape, and eros, it like, God didn't say, "Oh, everything but arrows," right?
0: Like, right, right, right.
1: <laughs> right. So He didn't say everything but romantic love. And in Genesis, when He says the man will leave his family and take a wife and become one flesh, He doesn't say two fleshes who occasionally get together. It's one flesh, right? He's, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I always say God gave us the gift of sex. Let's 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 learn to practice it in that way, right?
0: So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So then let's change gears a little bit and talk mm-hmm. about this intimacy with God, right? So, how do we all have different ways whether it's praying, meditating, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. So in your coaching world, how do you coach an intimacy with God?
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and I work with people of different faiths and, you know, and I work with a lot of the couples that find me are Christian, but not all of them. Um, my relationship is my relationship with God, my, my North star relationship. But for me, I can say that like even it shifted for me in my twenties, it was very much, I felt closest to God in church. That was probably from my growing up Catholic. Well, well, for whatever reasons it was the reality and in song, particularly in song in church for me. And then at, in my thirties, when I, found and fell in love with the mountains and I am a mountain girl through and three through, I feel closest to God when I'm hiking in the mountains alone, praying as I'm hiking, right? Meditating, praying as I, that is when, I mean, I just got full body chills as I said that that's for me where I feel closest to God. I have my best conversations with God. I can hear what you talked about. I've heard you talk about Rob is like, I can hear God and his insight, his nudging way more clearly in the mountains than sitting at my desk, right? That's my relationship. Yeah. So getting curious about what, where do you feel closest to God? How do you feel closest to God or your higher power? If it's not God, but like whatever it is for you, that's for me, it's absolutely God. And so how do you curate that? And so now I create a life where I get into the mountains a lot because I want, I'm seeking that intimacy. I am a better person, partner, lover, mother, all the things when my relationship with God is, is more intimate.
0: Yeah, I, I always, we were just in Yosemite Park not too long mm-hmm. ago. And last year we were in Yellowstone or the Grand Tetons. My wife and I celebrated our 25th anniversary in oh, Colorado mountains. Amazing. And and I, me, like my friends call me nature boy, right? I, I, <laughs> I love being in nature and and that's where I have my connection as well. And I feel like, you know, I'm like, I'm in this world of nature and I'm like, you know, God created this. I'll never forget my, in fact, it was in the book, the chapter of the book I wrote with Mm -hmm. Kyle Wilson's book. Um, We were in the Grand Canyon, hiked the Grand Canyon, seven and a half miles down and back up. My buddy says to me, you know, what was your experience like in the Grand Canyon? and I said, and I said, it was, it was incredible, but I, I got choked up and I start crying. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it was an amazing spiritual experience for me in a sense. That, and, and I guess what part of what led to that, I'm sidetracking right now is right when we got to the Grand Canyon, I dropped my phone and break it. And wow. I can't, I, I can't take any pictures. Right? Oh. <laughs> and I'm like, God, why would you do this to me, man? I'm the first time ever <laughs> in the Grand Canyon and you're letting my phone break. Right. And I, and then in an instant, I'm like, God doesn't want me to see his creation or his allness with mm. the lens of this phone. Mm. He wants me to see with the lens of his eyes mm. or my eyes. And in that instant, I'm like, all right, all right, God, it's you and me. We're hiking this thing. And like I said, I, I, when I got out, my, my friend asked me that ex- what the experience was. I start bawling, man. And mm. I said to him, I said, I said, you know, if this is just a glimmer of what so- heaven's about, I can't live to die. Now, I don't want to die tomorrow, uh, but, but I'm looking forward to seeing yeah. that all this and that beauty and that, great, that greatness. And so yeah. nature nature is my connection, right? And right. I get that connection there. And in my, every morning I have, I have 15, 20 minutes of quiet time. Mm-hmm. So that's what I do. So are, are there other tactics? Like for you, it's nature. Are there other strategies, tactics that you would tell people to try to find, to get this intimacy with God?
1: Yeah. You know, I think it's like, I mean whether it, and in my mind, my, my lived experience, it's like, God's like, just be intimate with me, however you do it, right, I'm giving you, all, I'm giving you all these tools to connect with me, so find which ones resonate with your heart, right, like, for, it's still song for me, too, I love, I love song, I mean, um, I had a, a, a nanny that was, uh, Southern Baptist. And so she like got me into gospel. And I was like, I would actually got like in trouble in Catholic school for like swaying and like clapping and whooping it up. And they, they had like, they my mom had to go and talk to the nuns because they're like, Stormy needs to stand still. And she's like, maybe you need to like sway a little bit, you know? So, uh-huh. But that was a gift from, her name was Margaret, from Margaret for me about that I feel very connected to God in gospel through gospel music. And so, you know, get, I, this is what I tell my son, too, because my son with autism is very black and white. He's like, you know, very once he's like, Mom, how do you know without a doubt that God is real? Right. And, and he's talking about scientifically because this is how his his non neurotypical mind, his neurodivergent mind thinks. And I said, Mason, there, there at some point there's a reason we call it faith. Right? There's a reason it's called faith. It's a feeling, it's a deep knowing. So find your deep knowing, right? Find your like, there is no doubt, right? Place for you. And that's going to be different for everyone. Some people it's in church, some people it's in prayer, some people it's in Bible studies, some people it's out in nature. It can be all of these combinations of it. But if you think about really having a deep intimate relationship with God, that has Questioning that has depth, that has curiosity, that has experience, that has even playfulness with it, right? That's what cultivates intimacy. Those qualities don't don't only extend to like having great sex or having a great relationship. That's about intimacy in all parts of your life. And for me, that intimacy has to start with God.
0: That's awesome. And so, if I can go off tangent a little bit, because talk a little bit about your son, right? Because you talk about faith, mm-hmm. and, and and your son's going through some stuff. And if you want to share that, please do. Yeah. And and, and you had to have faith. You have to have had to and have to have faith to keep going where you're going. So would you like to share a little bit? about? Yeah,
1: for sure. I mean, so I think, you know, one place for me that where my relationship with God got became much more intimate was my son was diagnosed with a really rare heart disease when he was three months old and he was in stage four heart failure. um, Very much, uh, you know, precarious of being on this earth for very long in and out of heart failure, the first 18 months of his life. And I was so, so pissed at God at the beginning. Like, well, first I was in the first like, please let it be me. I'll switch, right? Like the whole bargaining stage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, stage of grieving. Please, like, take me, take me, take me. Don't take my baby, um which is totally normal in the stages of grieving. And then anger, another stage of grieving. I went through that and I was like, God, how could you? <laughs> this is my baby. Like, I did in vitro. I, I had to work really hard to get pregnant, and I was in. And then my, my mother, who is a, a very devout Catholic, was like, honey, wrestle with God. God can take it. Like, And I remember I would go run. I was very big in running. And I'd go run so hard that I couldn't even like feel any sadness or worry. And I would just pray and pray and pray and cry and cry and cry. And I was out running. This was a snowy day in Michigan in January. And so my son's about, about a year old. And I remember that with the, what the road looked like and I'm just wrestling. I mean, I'm angry at God and I'm like just talking and, and I'm like, but I'm talking so much, I'm not listening. Right. And and then I literally heard God say, Stormy, like get, like get over yourself. Like we never know when we're going to lose. I know, but you never know when when I'm going to take your child. Mm-hmm. It is no different for you with a very sick child than it is for anyone at any time. We don't know when we're gonna lose our spouse, we don't know when we're gonna lose anyone, right? When God's gonna call someone home, we don't know. And so it was this like, God literally saying, you need to let go, you have to surrender this, right? You have to trust. And that moment, it's so funny, I remember running home and telling my, running in and telling my husband, waking him up and saying, everything's gonna be okay. Like I had this whole God moment and he was like, he didn't have it, so he's like, what are you talking about, you know? And so that was a really powerful, intimate moment for me that like allowed me to like loosen my grip on trying to like hoard moments with my son because the reality is we can't hoard moments. We can't, we can just cherish them. We can't actually collect moments, right? And so when I loosened the grip, I'm trying to like holding on so tightly, which was impacting me, impacting my marriage, impacting my parenting, definitely impacting my son um, to grab on that tightly. So when I when I surrendered some of that control you know, that was when my relationship with God became more deep. And I knew that no matter what, even if my son were going to be going home, that I would be that it, I would be OK, that it would be OK. And that was that was so far beyond my human capacities. I, you know, I can't even begin to share. So,
0: yeah, it's, it's and I like what you said or your mother said that wrestle with God. I mm-hmm. love that because I think there's people out there to think to that. Think, Okay, I'm not allowed to question God. I'm not I'm not not allowed to come from that place of curiosity, like why this, why that, or even I'm not allowed to be pissed or mad at God, right? <laughs> right. So, uh, tell talk to me about that. It, it one, I think you know what the answer is, but but go a little bit deeper with it. Is it okay to be pissed and be angry at God?
1: Yeah, I mean, I you know, for me, it's like I think of God as like the ultimate father, like right, the archetypal father. It's like, well, if you're I think what my mom says about parenting, if you're doing a good job parenting, you're like, your kids are going to be pissed off at you at times, <laughs> right? Right, like, right, right. You know? And so I think it's like, yeah, wrestle it. And my, I've had a couple of times in my life where I really wrestled with something hard because what happened was I was putting it on God, right? Until the shift happens that like, God gave us the blessing and the curse of free will, right? And there's all these things that happen and some hard things just happen They're evil, evil is out there. Right. Um, and so, but that I will be God that helps you through it. And that was a big shift for me. And so I, I would say, yeah, I mean, my advice would be wrestle with God, have he asks for an intimate relationship. He wants an intimate relationship with you. And intimacy absolutely starts with your relationship with, with God, and then goes into all other parts of your life. And and there's a quote that says, we can only meet ourselves to the, we can only meet someone else to the depths that we've met ourselves. And so that's that, this kind of investigative work that you do with yourself, with God, that will allow you to have deeper intimacy, deeper vulnerability with all the people in your life, all the pe- all the close relationships in your life.
0: Yeah. That, I think that's profound because uh, like, I think we can all get angry or get pissed, but in that, and I we use the term wrestling because when mm-hmm. you're angry, when you're pissed, you are wrestling mm-hmm. with the, whatever that situation is, the, uh, uh, the, the hurt, the injury, whatever it is, you're wrestling with it. And I, I think we get closer to God when we question Him, because mm-hmm. then at some point, I, I think He gives us the answers if we listen. And mm-hmm. the way to listen is to get a little closer and to get a little right. closer and to right. get a little closer. And uh, that's, yeah, yeah. So it's it's good stuff. The um so, so you, you talked about your son and he. You said you we we met in um in Dallas. We met mm-hmm. in Dallas. You know a few a couple months ago whatever mm-hmm. it was and you were talking about your son and how he came to that moment right you, you you said it a couple minutes ago and that had an impact on you though you told me it had an impact on you mm-hmm. go a little further on that because I know you talked about what he said but go a little further on that how it impacted you yeah I mean so he you know
1: he is wrestling with it right now, right? He's he's 19, he he's neurodivergent, he's brilliant, He's like he's like twice mine, <laughs> literally. And you know, and he and I so he's wrestling with it. And I was like, and I said, honey, wrestle with it, ask questions, read books, talk to people, you know, go try different expressions of your faith, right? And and find out what your North star is. Find out what resonates with you, but wrestle with it, right? And and I actually even suggested, I was like, read read Stephen Hawking's because he's so beaut- brilliant. Like he was a, I would say, an evangelical atheist of some sorts. till the end of his life where he was like, there is something that science I has proven scientifically that science can't prove, right? And I think about my son, he's a walking miracle, which I'll share that funny story in a second, but he, and yet he's struggling with how to believe in miracles. And I, and so I said to him, you are literally a walking <laughs> miracle. Science would say you should not be on this earth. Like, research would say with the disease that you have and the stage that it was in, you should not be on this earth. This was when he was three months old. He's now 19. And so I said to him, I was like, you're like a walking miracle. And his response was, that's a lot of pressure.
0: <laughs> that's what it was. That's what it was right there. <laughs>
1: So and I said, Yeah, well, it's still the case, right? So I just think it's such an interesting and I I like, you know, and he said, Mom, would you be disappointed in me if I like, you know, not sure what I believe? And I said, No, I mean welcome to mother's or parents' fierce love, right? It's like, I'm like, but wrestle with it, ask questions, don't settle for not knowing what you what you believe, not exploring what you believe. And you are literally
0: walking proof of a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. So so you said he asked you, is it okay? That I feel that way, right? Is it? I don't want to disappoint you. Mm -hmm. In the same breath, don't we sometimes ask God those same questions? Totally. That's exactly right or shouldn't shouldn't we yeah. ask those questions right yeah
1: absolutely right and what does god i mean my my when i listen to god that's he he's always like you go do your thing and i'll be right here waiting for you right like that constant that steady that source that that north star in my life and i haven't always been on a straight path to my north star i was like you know went all weary and all around and explored all the things and 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 my experience was god was always there to be like. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm right here when you're ready. You know, I'm right here when you, when you come back, you know, and that, that really, that's why I say the North star, right. And and I was trying to teach my son. I said, your North star doesn't change. It doesn't matter which direction you're heading. The North star is always North, you know,
0: (laughs) that's great. Mm -hmm. That is great. So you talked about a few minutes ago about hoarding the moments, right. Mm -hmm. And and God said to you, Hey, you got to get over yourself. (laughs) And, and, And so, I live for the moment, right? I love the moments and Mm -hmm. I experience joy in the moment. And and so how it's hard. Like like you talked about surrendering and and Mm -hmm. get over yourself, stop hoarding the moments. That's a hard thing to do because like, I have a good moment and a joyful moment Mm. and don't want to let it go, but you have to, because if you don't let it go, you can't have the next one. Correct.
1: Right. That's really well said. Right. Like, and I think there's this like grasping quality, right? We can, we, by design, like negative things imprint in our brain. By God's design, negative things imprint in our brain more deeply. It's a way to like keep us safe, like survival. Like back in evolution, back in when our brains were evolving, and the and yet so that it's going to imprint more deeply. So the negative things are going to leave a lasting impact in your life, and so you can choose to focus on those, or you can we. So by design you're going to want to be like oh this moment's really sweet and yummy and I'd like to stay only in this moment right 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 or, right or I'd like a lot more of this moment and that's totally normal it's totally natural it's totally neurologically based and the practice i for me i believe is is that surrender piece of like knowing that the next moment is coming it might be better, it might be worse, it might be anywhere in between, but it is coming. The next moment is going to come, and there will be, it will always change, right? So it will, so like when we, when you feel, which I have felt many times in my life, when we feel a grasping onto something, then it's, a, it's an opportunity to like lean into that surrender, right? And that allows you to also, know that even in hard moments, this too shall pass, right? This too shall, this too shall pass it I can only tell you the only thing about emotions is that they will change, (laughs) you know, right? Which is why I don't think love is an emotion. I think it's a force, right? It's like, it's not, I mean, if if it's practiced well, it's not an emotion,
0: it's a force, right? So if you allow yourself to experience those moments and, and feel fulfilled in that moment, does that bring you closer to God? Does that bring you a more intimacy? Yeah, I mean, I think
1: absolutely, right? It's about it's about presence, right? Like to be really present with the moment, whether it's amazing or hard or everything in between. And that is not easy. This is a practice, right? It's really, but think about, it. let's think about relational intimacy with your love partner. I, I always say, I, I'm not even that interested in how it is when things are awesome because anyone can get along when things are awesome. How is your intimacy when things are really hard? When things are stressful, when th- when you're angry, when when stuff has gone wrong, when you're stressed out, when you're angry, whatever whatever you are, angry, right. <laughs> right? When I was dating my partner, we've been together five years. I literally was like, I'm not even interested until we have our first conflict. And he was like, What? Because I wasn't even interested like in the longevity potential of relationships. While I saw how we navigated conflict, because there is like I said, there's the intimacy conflict. Intimacy. Can you lean in towards each other when you're angry? And the answer is, yes, you can. It's a practice, right? We tend to want to lean away. But if you want to build intimacy with your partner, you lean in when you want to lean away.
0: So how do you do that? How do you lean in?
1: That's a great question. I mean, I am a big nervous system fan. That's what I like study and teach. And so our nervous system is an incredible way to give us the tools to lean in when everything in our instinct is telling us to either lean out or run out. Right. Right. So calming your nervous system, taking some really slow, deep breaths, right? Really, I mean, scientifically, neurologically will calm your nervous system. Will also, interestingly enough, sync up your nervous system more with your partner. Right, because what happens, let's say your partner's up at a 10 out of 10. Like they're really maybe let's say angry, okay, but they're really maybe they're sad or anxious, but they're really something. They're 10 out of 10, something that is not we don't what we call positive. You have to upregulate your nervous system to connect with them. If you're down at a one, you're not even gonna be on the same like playing field, right? So you are gonna be you are gonna upregulate your nervous system. And then the the, the repair and restore is how do you both calm your nervous systems back down and stay connected, right? And so, you know, I think the one key to that is, is breath, um, but also noticing, like noticing when you want to run out of the room energetically or li- literally, <laughs> right? Yeah. Noticing when you're in defensiveness, when you're in blame, when you're in name calling, all, all these tactics that we can use when we're when we're hurt, when we're scared, when we want to run out of the room, either literally or figuratively. And so noticing that, taking some deep breaths and choosing to lean in, choosing to lean in to be, and then another way to do it is to bring curiosity to your partner. Uh, It's a great challenge to couples to say, next time you're in conflict, can you stay curious about your partner's experience, about their reactions, about uh, maybe the hurt or the anger or whatever it is? But the answer is that you can, you have to practice it, right? Because the opposite of defensive is curious, right? So when we stay curious, it will keep us out of defensiveness. And so it's hard. right? It's a hard practice, but I think it's very aligned with your intimacy with God, like leaning in, wrestling, staying curious, asking questions, right? Keeps us out of this whole, I can do it on my own, right? Which we might have had that with God, like, I don't need you. I can do it on my own. We certainly probably have had with our partner this, I don't need you. I can do it on my own sort of feeling. And these are all things that keep us and move us out of intimacy, And one of the things I love to teach, and I certainly do not do it perfectly at all myself, but it's a daily practice for me, is how do I lean in? How do I build more trust, more vulnerability, more depth of connection and not not
0: cause a chasm in the relationship? So when you say you practice that every day, do you practice it with your partner or do you practice it like talking to yourself? What does that look like?
1: Yeah. I would say all of the above. I for me, like my relation, my practice. So I have a, like a prayer meditation. I, my exercise, like I said, in the mountains is my time with God. Uh, most of the time I'm by myself. Sometimes I'm I hike with friends, but it's usually a solo practice. And then, yeah, I practice. My partner and I practice, we like, we'll have intimacy practices, right? whether that's a conversation or a breath work practice. and we, we we literally practice, right? And none of these are sexual practices. They might be sensual, they might be physical, they might be conflict. They might be recreational intimacies, another type of intimacy. Go out and do something fun together, laugh and play. Like and I to me, God gave us all these things. He didn't say we have to just sit across from each other and have conversations, he gave us playfulness, he gave us laughter, he gave us games, you know, all these things that we don't do. I work with children in my other, one of my OT businesses and kids are so inspiring how they learn and explore the world through play. And somehow as adults, we sort of like, forgot that. Yeah, <laughs> you know? So, you know, but that's a great way to like, you know, the recreational intimacy, uh, you know, intellectual intimacy, find something that you not ever know anything about and learn about it together. It gives all these opportunities for connection, for conversation, for curiosity. And then, you know, I think if you want to continue to even bring into, into sexuality, into the, the sacredness, bring in a spirit of adoration and devotion to your partner. When was the last time you hold your partner's oh. hand with devotion?
0: Oh, I love that, yeah. When was,
1: when was the last time you kissed their lips with devotion, right? We're not talking about sex, I'm talking about holding hands and kissing. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you no. know. With adoration and devotion. I mean it gives me the goosebumps every time I say it. It will be I promise you it will be a totally different kind of a kiss, you
0: know. Wow, I like that. So if my wife's listening to this, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And she Great. will be listening to this at some point. So totally. then she's gonna know what I'm up to because <laughs> So go back to like to, to like like one person's at a 10, the other person's at one. Say, my wife and I are we're having, we have an argument right now. I'm a 10, I'm a one. She's a one. Do I say, hey, honey, I'm going out of the room so I can come back down, or you got to beat me at a 10? Like, so you have to, it's like, do mm-hmm. like, so you ask questions like, why do you feel that way? Or what is it that offends you? How, is that sort of the line, the, the path that you yeah, take? Yeah, it's a great question.
1: I mean, so I, when I work, we work in our dual diagnosis study. We have a lot of uh, patients that are, let's say, detoxing from drugs or alcohol. So they're very, they can be very irritable. It can feel not good physiologically or psychologically or both. And so uh, we get a lot of anger and a lot of high level, like uh, frenetic sort of energy. And so I always tell my staff, do not say to them, uh, calm down unless you might want to get soft in the face (laughs) because (laughs) no one, no one ever wants to be upregulated. No one wants to be super angry or super defensive or or super sad, right. Or super reactionary. It's not a chosen space. Like we don't, we don't choose to be there. So to your question about asking questions, like when someone's really upregulated, like they're 10 out of 10, which you know, you know what your partner's 10 out of 10 or even nine, eight, nine or 10 looks like it feels like. So instead of like it, they can't really answer a lot of questions because they're not in the thinking part of the brain. They're in fight or flight or fright or freeze or F.U. right? Which <laughs> is the other one I always say, <laughs> right? They're in a state that is not cognitive, right? So um, the words can come later. The questions of like, I'm really curious why, why you felt that way. Like that can come later, but when they're really escalated, it's really about you helping to, calm their nervous system, which means you have to calm yourself, your own nervous system yeah. first, right? So good deep breaths. Your question, Rob, like, do I say I'm going out of the room? I really recommend that couples have what I call rules of engagement. So you and you figure these out when you're not in conflict. Okay. Yeah. So like in a time you're feeling connected, like I don't know, or a cup of tea or a glass of wine or whatever. To so like what are your no-go zones? Like so it might be name conflict It might be raising of your voice. It might be slamming a door. I mean, we don't know. You can't assume to know what your partner's no goes are. So, and often it comes from family of origins or other relationships or you know just their temperament. Um, So, and these are like absolute do nots during during uh, conflict because conflict is absolutely inevitable. Fighting is a choice, right? So, (laughs) there's there's conflict is great. I, I so fully support healthy conflict, but fighting can cause harm it does cause harm, right? So the, you know, being curious about like so the having your rules of engagement, which you figure out beforehand and the, the and then following them. And if you if you screw up and break your rule of engagement, that is on you to like massively own like, wow, I botched that. I broke our rule. I am so very sorry. Right. That yeah. gives you a chance to be fully personally responsible and accountable there. And and then the the repair and restore is like after the conflict, how do you reconnect, right? How do you put deposits back into the bank of connection instead of taking out withdrawals. Right. And so that might be having a conversation about it. It might be just holding each other. It might be going out for a walk together. You also figure out how do you want to repair and restore and you do this, not in conflict times,
0: right? right. You
1: know, these, these are, I mean, and this is, I mean, think about that. That is like the definition of intimacy. How do you have really 10 out of 10 conversations with someone and come back together as a unit, you know, And one of the things I love, about the metaphors I love, and I can't remember who said it, but instead of thinking of like, I was a tennis player, so instead of thinking of you and your spouse or your partner on opposite sides of the court, like lobbing the yeah. fighting ball back and forth, it's actually the two of you on the same side of the court and the issue or the challenge as your opponent right, on the other oh, side. Oh, I love that. So that how is. do you stay on the same side of the court, right? And so it's just a metaphor for me that's really stuck with me. Like, am I looking at my partner as the opponent or am I looking at the challenge that we're facing as the opponent?
0: Yeah, that's perfect. I love that. I I totally love that being on the same side and the issue being the opponent. Mm -hmm. Love Mm -hmm. that. So I want to share one thing with, I want you to share, I guess we can share uh, with the audience here. When we, when I met you in Dallas, we had a breakout session and you had about 10 or 12 of us sitting around the table and you had us all stand up and you had us we stand out and, and not everybody knew everybody. So I didn't know anybody there Mm -hmm. the first time there. And you asked us to stand up and we had to stare (laughs) <laughs> and a person dies for three minutes. I think you had it, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. So can, can you talk about the, the purpose of that or the reason for that? Because yeah. I, I know there's there's intimacy there. But, I mean, you're, you're not going to be intimate with that person right out of the gate. But you got to learn there's something behind that. Can you talk about that? Yeah.
1: It's one of my favorite
0: practices. So somebody asked about practices, I said breath work, right, and brain curiosity. Another
1: practice. This is not a beginner practice. Well, so, okay. So the beginner practice would be with your spouse. Um, it's, it's called eye gazing and it is a non verbal so it's a somatic means of the body practice for deeper connection okay um, and it's very awkward for most people when they're first doing yeah, i had you guys do it you, you were strangers right because <laughs> i don't know if you remember but i mentioned that that one of the teachers big teachers in this space they she says that you we usually only gaze with so someone when we want to fight them or you know what them <laughs> 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 and so the the idea is with your partner you're not this is not about sexual intimacy. This is about deep connection cause it's non-sexual. Um, so like in a moment when you're feeling connected, the practice would be you literally set a timer on your phone. And this also calms your nervous system cause you don't think you're going to be staring into each other's eyes in perpetuity. <laughs> but you set a timer, let's say for two minutes or three minutes, that would be the most I would do. And you literally just look into each other's eyes softly, right? You're not staring. You're softly looking into each other's eyes with no words. It will feel awkward. You'll find that you're like, want to laugh or you want to look away, or maybe emotion comes up or you're holding your breath and you just keep breathing and you, and you look into your partner's eyes. The idea is it is literally the definition of intimacy to see and be seen. And that does not have to do with words. That is a a deeper connection, right? And they say the eyes are the window to the soul, right? So you get to see, you see your partner, you might see their pain. You might see their beauty. You might see their, you know, their hurt you if you if you did the, the advanced practices do it when you're in conflict and then you might see their anger you might see their defensiveness right but it cuts through the story and the words and the patterns that relationships can form the couples can form the conflict patterns and it, it is a much it you start to see your partner's humanity you start mm. to see also their divinity right you start to see the divine in them um them as a as a being from God, right? Like it cuts through so much of it. So it's an amazing practice. It's one of my favorite practices. You guys did it as strangers. The practice for your listeners would be to do it with. You can do it with a partner if you're single. Your your spouse. If you're single, do it with a really good friend. I mean, it's it's because it, it is not sexual in any way, shape, or form. It's about a deep sensual intimacy. It's very. It's and what you guys experienced, and you a lot of you shared in Dallas is that there was a moment where it went from like super awkward to much more relaxed. And that's basically what that is neurologically is your nervous system calming down, right? And so it's really cool to experience that with a partner. So I highly recommend it. If you're going to do this practice when you're connected, when you're feeling connected, two or three minutes and then have, when the alarm goes off, then it's like, then talk about it. You can laugh and be like, oh my gosh, that was so awkward. Or, oh my gosh, that was so amazing. Whatever it is, you have a couple minutes where you just share how that was for each of you.
0: Yeah, that's cool because I because I remember like we were like there was two guys like I didn't even know him is it Everly or Eber- uh-huh. Everly uh-huh. and, and uh, so I didn't know him he didn't know me and we're just looking at each other at first it's like a standoff you know. <laughs> but- and then the shoulders start to relax a little bit, yeah. but it's good. So I, I really, I really appreciate that. Cause I, I think I had a moment. I said, man, I don't know when's the last time I gazed in my wife's eyes for three minutes. Jesus, it
1: was so
0: beautiful. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I got home. I said, I, I told my wife we're going to do it. We haven't done it yet. I'm like, I got to do this. I got to do it. And everybody's, everybody's going to hear this. And they, they're going like, to Rob, did you stare into your wife's eyes? yet? And then i said, no, he hasn't. And I'm like, yes, I have it's a
1: really beautiful i've done it with my son i've done it i mean it's a really beautiful practice someone asked me about doing it with an adult child and i mean i would say you just use your guidance but you could it doesn't it could be with anyone that you're wanting to deepen that relationship with but what i will say is that you will see them in a different way and it's really right in intimacy is into me see right you are really giving someone the the you're giving what what a sacred space what a beautiful space you're giving your partner time to literally just look upon you and for you to look upon them with no words
0: right wow yeah like i i I was thinking about my wife but i didn't think about having that that three minute stare down if you will Mm -hmm. with with my kids how powerful would that be Mm -hmm. i I get a little emotional just thinking about it because i Mm -hmm. i i I could i could imagine where we're to go even though there's no conversation Mm -hmm. but I, i could see the tears flowing because i could just see see like the history of our me raising the kids and maybe with the heads we butted and the good times we had and I could just envision all that as I'm staring into his to his or her eyes right. and uh, I, I like that I, that's a takeaway for me today to do that with the kids it'd be awkward but uh, oh it's totally
1: awkward. awkward I mean my son was like this is the worst three minutes of my life you know
0: that's great <laughs> but no, that's- what
1: I felt was I just felt I saw such depth in him that I hadn't seen in that way before that was my experience with him I don't know what his experience was with me but that was my experience with him so
0: and I think that's the key seeing the depth in others I love that I love mm-hmm. that so uh, as you finish up here I got to ask you this question and I'm going to mm-hmm. ask you it a different I usually ask it one way but I'm going to ask it a different way where else in your life, or how much more chiseling do you have? Do you think you have going on in your life?
1: Oh my God! Ooh, I just got full body chills. I I love the name of this podcast. As you know, I was like enamored from the moment I heard it because I I really believe. I mean, I love the idea of starting with a piece of like rock, maybe even muddy rock, and coming out with this gorgeous sculpture, right? This right. this unique work of art, one, one in a million work of art. Um, and God gave, we are all literally completely unique. How cool is that? Even our thumbprints. I mean, it's just so, so cool that how unique we all are given God given gift of uniqueness. So long winded way of saying, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of chiseling left in my life and it feels really, I mean, I, at 42, I decided to change careers again and do the intimacy coaching. Um, I'm in a new phase of my son being off to college and empty nester and kind of living in Costa Rica, Utah. So blessed to be in these two fabulous places where I feel so much nature and so close to God. Um, and I think, you know, just professionally, like really finding, I used to think my parts were all, all these parts of my journey were separate. And now I realize that they are all like part of the chiseling, right? They were like taking off this hunk of rock and taking off this hunk of rock, but not because it needed to go. It needed to actually happen to expose the statue beneath.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like the evolution of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, so, Stormy, if people wanted to get a hold of you, how could they do that?
1: Yeah. I think the best way is, uh, uh, if you want to learn more about the coaching or the um, online programs that we have would be love, uh, www.lovedeeperlab.com. That's my website. My um, email, I email me any questions. I love this stuff. There, I just definitely email me if you have any questions, to stormy at lovedeeplab.com and then on uh, Instagram at doc stormy, D-O-C stormy one, doc stormy one.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. Stormy, it's been awesome. It's been a pleasure for me to sit here and chat with you and to help. I'm sure you're impacting a lot of people because I'm sure people have a ton of questions because they go through this. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's awesome. And you're doing an awesome thing for people out there. And it was a pleasure for me to meet you in Dallas. And I'm that network you connected. Too. And uh, I'm looking forward to staying in touch with you. And uh, any final words before I let you go?
1: Well, I think if, you, if people want to continue the work of the intimacy, they can shoot me that email and I'll send you an intimacy guide that can help you kind of guide your way through it. also has a, a meditation and a video on it if you're wanting to look at more deeply at the realms of intimacy. So,
0: That's awesome. So if you, if you heard that, send her an email, or if you, you can't remember what it was, I'll have it in notes. I'll yeah. give it to people. And, uh, and uh, Stormy, we'll get that out to you. So Stormy, thank you again so much. I'm an so honored and privileged. Yeah, so yeah, thank you. And uh, until next time, everybody. Let's go get chiseled.
1: You just got chiseled with Rob Comagari. Be sure to like this podcast, share it with your friends, and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Also, you can find Rob's book on Amazon, Better Than You Think.